So we're in a series called Relationships. Before we get started on that, I wanted to make a quick announcement for those of you who um, might have known Melanie Walker. She uh, would come to church here. She had a little cap on, and uh, towards uh, recently she's had oxygen uh, that she carried with her. Um, on s- Saturday morning at 1.30, she passed. And so she was 34, and um, please pray for her two young boys and her, her husband as they begin this process of grieving and this journey. And um, one of the things something like this does, uh, if you have journeyed, and many of us seen from our prayer uh, cards and all those, are journeying with somebody through a, a process like this. And uh, in her case, uh, it's, it's tragic because she's young. But really, in many cases, it's tragic just because we love people. And uh, w- what these things do, these types of tragedies, is they remind us of what's important. And so um, oftentimes, if you've spent some time with someone who's struggling with a, with a hurt, um, you will... Uh, uh, you'll go home and you'll hug your wife or hug your husband or pay special attention to your kids or you'll, you, there's just kind of a resetting, a refocusing, especially in a country like ours, which is so fast-paced and uh, loves progress and loves production uh, that sometimes we can leave the important things behind. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And um, as we begin, you'll, uh, there might be some of you that as we begin down this topic, you start feeling incredibly uncomfortable uh, because we're going to be touching on something that's near and dear to all of our hearts. Uh, we're going to be touching on things that uh, um, sometimes we can lose sight of very quickly. And uh, I, I, I found this little cartoon on here. And for those who listen online, uh, it, it says, I, I just love talking to you while you're texting. Said no one ever. <laughs> right? Right? That right? Right now, there's some of you like, oh, no, he's going after my cell phone. <laughs> yes, I am. So, uh, but there's some, some other things, not just that. Here's a great picture. I love this. He's got his attractive girlfriend and He's probably texting his buddy, or his buddy just sent him a photo. Um, most likely, uh, for some parents, you might feel like this. Uh, the guy in the megaphone screaming at his daughter. While I was looking for these, I, I spent a lot of time uh, uh, researching for my sermon. I found this one. I'd love to uh, contact you with my new iPhone, but it pretty much makes the need for relationships obsolete. Uh, and then this is my favorite one. We'll, we'll end on this one. He says, uh, look, honey, I just got a new iPhone. And she says, what a coincidence. I got a new boyfriend. And uh, he's like, did you, did you say something? <laughs> so I just thought, we'll leave that up there for your viewing pleasure. Um, and this is funny, and, and, and we totally get that. And we've all um, probably, at one time or another, have been talking to somebody while they've been. Uh, we won't say texting. We won't say checking Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Uh, what we'll say is they've been distracted. We've all talked to somebody who's been distracted. I have a, a friend um, who uh, I'm not super close with because I can't stand talking to him. You know, he'll call me and I just don't want to talk to him. And I will never tell him anything important that's going on in my life, which actually, just so you know, doesn't strengthen relationships when you're not talking about anything important because he says, "Uh uh-huh, all the time. And I mean all the time. 
so, so you'll begin to say, hey, he'll say, how are you doing? I'll say, oh, well, uh uh-huh. I'm like, well, I actually haven't really said anything yet, but you've already uh uh-huh me. Like, is this a pre uh uh-huh? Or like, "Ah, what's going on? And so, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and so then, yeah, well, Lisa and I are doing well. Uh Uh-huh. I think we're going to get divorced. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I I think, yeah, my kids, they've all moved out. Uh Uh-huh. They're selling drugs. Uh Uh Uh-huh. 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 It drives me crazy. And when you're talking to him in person, it's even worse because he's like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. So call it ADD, call it being a jerk. I don't know. He's a friend of mine. I just don't like talking to him. And that's fine with him. Honestly, he's really not that important to me. But what happens if that's my spouse? What happens if that's my dad? What happens if it's the people closest to us that we're not able to engage with? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The idea that our world, the, 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 the tide of the world, the culture of the world is moving at such a fast pace. If we're not careful, we're going to get caught up in the routine and the mundane and we're going to miss out on what I'm going to be calling this morning being present. And by being present, I just mean being in the moment, that moment with that person at that time, what they're talking about, what they're interested in. And so as we've been talking through our relationship series, we've been talking about things like the first week we said, um, you know, there's one common denominator in all of your relationships and that's you. And so if you have a hard time getting along with your friend and your wife and your boss and your neighbor, um, there's a good chance it's you, <laughs> right? If, if you just find there's conflict in a lot of your relationships, there's a good chance that you, you might be the problem. And so we talked about that the first week, that we all come in with some insecurities and some uh, filters, if you will, that we see things that we can get offended. And so we had to talk about that. What is it about me that's contributing to this problem? Okay, we talked about that in week one. Then we talked about the idea, okay, we'll own our own stuff and now it's time to forgive. And so we talked about forgiving. And then we talked about um, the idea of of healthy communication, that we um, are slow to speak. Remember, stupid to speak uh, and quick to hear and, and slow to anger. We talked about that. And we talked about seeking first to understand. When we talked about that, we, we jumped on a verse that really is the verse for the series. There's, there's two verses out of Philippians 2. And, and if, you, if you think to yourself, I got to remember, what did, what did the pastor say about this? Or what did uh, Pastor Bob say? By the way, if you weren't here last week, um, go online and get Pastor Bob's sermon on conflict. It was outstanding. It was really good. And he touched on these two verses uh, as well. And, and that's the thing. These two verses really sum up everything. As a matter of fact, if you memorize these two verses and you're in a relationship and you're trying to figure out how can I make this relationship better, you can kind of get all the things you need out of these two verses. And here's what it says. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, this is really uh, narrows down or drills down to the heart of what's going on in our relationships. And we, we, we look at it this way. If we all did this, If husbands did this and wives did this and kids did this and bosses did this and teachers did this and students did this, wouldn't our relationships be pretty amazing? The answer is yes, just in case you were wondering what the answer was. It's yes. 
This idea that we do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, we consider others as more important as ourselves. We look after our own personal interests, but not just merely that, also the interests of others. And so that allows us to do what we're going to do this morning, and that is to talk about being present. Now, this verse ends here, and then the next verse is the one, the next few verses, describes who did this really, really, really well. And that was Jesus. And here's what it says. In your relationships with one another, have the, main, uh, the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, uh, this word mindset is just, imagine, if you have New American Standard, it will say attitude, but it's just perspective. Have the same goal, have the same outlook. When you look at your relationships, look at them with this filter. And, and what Paul's saying to this church in Philippi is, this is the filter Jesus looked at, at pretty much everything. And so it's kind of an important filter. He says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. Now listen to that. We'll just stop there for a second. In, so, so what he's saying is, Jesus at... at at some point was in very nature really, 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 really important. Really powerful. Like he was, think of the most important person on the planet, okay? Like the person who's just like got it going on, you know? More important than that. That was his position. That was Jesus' position. Now he could have sat there in that position rightfully so, for all of eternity. He's God. He can do whatever he wants, okay? The Trinity, all trinitized up there. I don't know what that, what it looks like. I, my brain explodes every time I think about it, but he could have been up all trinitized, okay? But watch what it says. He says, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. That's incredible, that he's, he's so powerful and so uh, omnipresent, so huge. And he says, you know, I, 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 I'm going to take this one more step. And he goes on, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus said this, essentially, I'm going to be present I'm going to be with him. For 30 years, started off as a baby, all the things babies do, started off trying to learn how to walk. God chose to learn how to walk and to fall down and to cry, although I just can't imagine him crying. He's probably just like went to fall and he's like, you know, I don't know, I don't know. He's Jesus. He could do whatever he wants, but he probably fell and cried, but... I just think it'd be cooler if he did that. So, and Jesus could do whatever he wants, okay? Um, and so he says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. So in other words, he didn't just come to be present and he, he became the king of the world on a throne and now he's present. Yes, technically he's a man and he's present. And, and so now and he'll start giving commands and writing laws and stuff. He became present and became obedient even to death on a cross. In other words, there was this not only uh, humanity, but humility and then humiliation. This is how important it was for Jesus to be present, to actually feel, touch, breathe, eat, to be present with us. Now, let's go back. 
It says, in your relationships, have the same mindset that was in Christ Jesus. Right? Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God, uh, something to be used to his advantage or something to be grasped or to held on to, but he emptied himself taking the very form of a servant. How, how did he do this? So what I want to do is I want to look at a story. It's actually two stories that are meshed together that give one small example of how Jesus was present with us. And it also gives us some really great examples of how we can do this with each other. How we can, in the midst of a conversation or in the midst of something, we put down our cell phones. We, we, in the midst of a, a, of a conversation, we put down the remote. Okay, we maybe turn off the television. Maybe we close the laptop. Maybe we take the book and we put a bookmark in it. And we put it up and we set it down. Jesus, uh, in Mark chapter 5, he's kind of at, uh, his ministry's taken off. It's awesome. When he speaks, a lot of people are there, okay? And so for his ministry, if you're tracking ministries and, and, and you were to go, you know, how many people went to Jesus' church, you know, to figure out how important he was, he was pretty important. A lot of people went to his church, okay? And so that was one, you know, great thing. And then after he gives this big sermon and, 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 and everybody starts following him, like, like he preaches a sermon and then everyone's following him, he gets in a boat, he tells his disciples, let's go across the lake and they go across the lake and there's this big storm. You, you might have read that in the Bible, heard about it. It's not the time where Peter walks on the water, but, but there's this storm and Jesus is sleeping during the storm and then they wake him up and they're like, Jesus, you know, there's a storm and he's just like, what? You know, you know, goes over or, you know, but they bug him so much that he wakes up and he just like quiets the storm now and they start worshiping him. They're freaking out like you and I would. So we see, man, Jesus got a lot of people following him and he can control the weather. Wow, okay. He's kind of important. Then he ends up at the other side of the lake and this demon-possessed guy comes up to him. And I don't know what demon-possessed people sound like, but it was probably like, Jesus, you know, like, it would be scary or whatever. And uh, he comes up to Jesus and he falls at Jesus' feet and he says, what, what do you have to do with us? You know, and Jesus is like, get out of that, dude. Get out of here. And, and he asks him his name, you know, name is, oh, you know, we're legion because we are many. There's many demons in this, guy, in this guy. And the town with this demon-possessed guy, they're freaking out. They have no way to handle this. They chain him up, but he'd break the chains. He'd get so strong, he'd break the chains. And so Jesus just comes in. He's like, get out of here. They say, can we go into those pigs over there? He's like, whatever. He, he goes into the pigs and the, the pigs run off the cliff and die. And, and so Jesus is like to Peter, hey, remind me to make some more pigs because I just like killed 2,000 of them. Just write that down because we're going to, because he's busy. Jesus is busy. He's kind of important. He's got a lot of people listening to him. Okay. He can, con he can control the weather. It's like, Siri, <laughs> Jesus, what's the weather like tomorrow? <laughs> Sunny. Oh, thanks. It works, hopefully it works better than Siri. But anyway, um, and so he can, he can come, he, he's in charge of the spiritual realm, Jesus is. He can just cast out demons into pigs and stuff. And so, so all of a sudden, and this is where we're going to catch this story, there's this guy named Jairus who's a, who's a synagogue leader. This is a big deal because the, the Pharisees and the religious people, 
kind of like the political realm of this time, they're not digging Jesus too much. Jesus is taking too much of their um, attention and he's not doing things the right way and he's, he's not doing the Sabbath the way you're supposed to do the Sabbath. He's not dealing with people at all the way you're supposed to deal with people. Uh, the fair, you're supposed to be above the people and then they're supposed to be below you and, and you rule them. And Jesus isn't doing that. He's got large amounts of people around. And he's around the unclean. He's around the, the least of these, the poor and the broken. And he's hanging out with those people. And so this leadership, this uh, synagogue leader comes up to Jesus and says, my daughter's dying. If you would just put your hands on her and pray for her, she's going to be healed. It's a great opportunity for Jesus ministry-wise. It'd be like the mayor saying, you know, we, I'd like to go to your church. All right, well, you know, okay, you know, the mayor goes, you know, Living Spring, where the mayor goes. I don't know, I mean, you know, you just kind of think this is kind of important. There's somebody important and they're, they're, they're going to be a part of the ministry. And, and so, the, so Jesus, this is where we find him, says, uh, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. You can imagine how quickly the news came about him with the demon. And I'll bet the disciples were like, you haven't seen anything. He calmed the storm. Like, like there's just this buzz, this excitement. Okay? And Jesus is off to do something important. Because Jesus is important. He's got a big ministry. He's got to control the weather. He can control the spirit realm. And he's going to heal a really, really, really important guy's daughter. And so what gets in the way of that is a woman. Now, the thing is, for us, when we see and a woman, we just think and a woman. We, we don't think the way uh, you would think if you were first reading this story. Because in this particular culture, women were down at the bottom of the rung, especially to a synagogue leader, Okay. And so if you could just, if I could just set it up for you, here's this synagogue leader, a man, first of all, which makes him important just right off the bat. Then a synagogue leader, which makes him really important above all the men. And then you've got a woman who's not important at all. And she's got this bleeding thing for 12 years, which makes her really, really not important. Jesus is on his way, he's busy, he's doing something important, and then somebody not important interrupts him. Okay? This woman, who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, and yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So here's the thing, she has no resources because she spent them all on these doctors, and she has no hope. And further, because of the laws that were written in Deuteronomy, if you're a woman and you're bleeding, uh, you are unclean, which now you're way, way, way down, which means you can't go to the parties, you can't go anywhere. Any place you sit is now unclean, and there needs to be certain things to make that clean. Anyone you touch is unclean, and now they have to go through all this kind of stuff. And so you don't touch anybody, and you don't hang around with anybody. So that's why what she does next is just shocking to the people who read this for the first time. What she does next, you just don't do, okay? But when you're at your last the end of your rope, and many of us have been there in our lives before where you're just at the end, you'll do anything, right? You'll, you'll go through all sorts of social boundaries. You're, when you're in need, when you're at the bottom rung, you'll do anything. 
says this, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, worked her way, guess what? Touching people, okay? Because they're all pressed in together and she touched his cloak. (laughs) Now, the minute she touched his cloak, she made him unclean. That's what she risked, okay? She touches his cloak, She thinks to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. It worked. She was healed. This miracle she's been looking for for 12 years, what she spent all the money on, uh, all the times when she talked to people, and they'd come by and they'd give her an article. I just read this in Malachic uh, Science Magazine. You should try it. It's awesome. Oh, man. Oh, you know, you should just eat kale, and it'll stop. And so for months, she eats kale, and that doesn't work. And, you know, we'll all pray for you. We'll do a sacrifice. We'll do all these things nothing worked and then the miracle finally and she's good to go except Jesus is gonna wreck it busy 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 Jesus lots of people in his ministry control the weather control the spirit realm on his way to a really important meeting Jesus now listen Jesus could just keep going, right? You wouldn't blame Jesus. He's like jamming along. Someone touches him. He's like, oh, I think I just healed somebody. He's multitasking. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's multitasking. He's got his Bluetooth. He's like, he's like, cool, this is awesome. You know, he's like, Peter, write this down. You know, we're going to, besides I have to make more pigs. You know, that lady we were going to heal, done. You know, just check it off. And so what he does is crazy. He stops. And he says this, who touched my, my clothes? And Peter, being Peter, he's a dude just like I would, this is exactly what I'd say. Jesus, everybody? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> honestly, really? As a matter of fact, the way it, the way it kind of shows up in the Bible, it, it, Peter's like, how can you ask, like, like well, how can you even ask that? It's kind of the, the, the dumb question, Jesus. But anyway, so, so that's what he does. He says, he says there's, there's every, everybody around. Now watch this. This is so key, key, key to what we're going to learn this morning, hopefully what we'll see in our own lives. But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Now maybe Jesus is more concerned about something else than the actual miracle. See, if you're the woman, you just want... You just want it to be over. You've done everything. You just want it to be over. But Jesus is interested in something far more. So he keeps looking around. He's like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. If, if someone's going to get healed, they need the other part. Of it. Listen, oftentimes in my own life, just to be honest, I want God's power, but I'm not that concerned with his presence. I want his power. I want him to do stuff for me. I want to like D2 and have it squirrel out and there it goes in the bottom and I got it. Thanks, Jesus. You know, that's exactly what I wanted. A Twix bar or whatever. And Jesus is like, we're not, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. We're, I'm not so much concerned with you getting what you want. I, I'm more concerned about you. I want to know what's going on. What would, what would make a woman risk all that to come up to find me, to touch me? What, what, what's going on? 
And he stops on his way to a really, really important meeting. Well, she, she's found out. So, you know, have you ever been in class and uh, somebody does something like puts a tack on the teacher's seat? And let's just say the teacher sits on that tack, right? And then, and, then she, and then she does this. She stops and she goes, we're not leaving this classroom until somebody fesses up to this, right? Has that ever, no? Anyway, um, <laughs> is it getting hot in here? Uh, and then it's like right before recess. And so as, as it gets closer, everyone's just like, come on, whoever did it, just tell them. And, you know, and the person's, I didn't, you know, it was me. Uh, but I, made, I did that. I, I did that, actually. And then I was sitting there like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to say, I don't care if we miss recess, you know. But the peer pressure and everybody, come on, what's going on? We don't want to, you know, fine. You're just like, you know, I, I did it. And so then you miss recess for several days and, uh, and everyone gets to go free. This is what she felt like. Jesus kept looking. Kind of like, and so you see Jairus over there going, okay, listen, somebody better fess up because I got a dying daughter. And so this is where she's at, this lady at. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembled with fear, and told him the whole truth. Have you ever talked to someone who's been dealing with a, 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 um, an illness or something for a very long time and they start talking about it? It's a long story. Because what happens is your illness, that thing you're struggling with, that thing you want a miracle for, becomes your identity. And and so basically she's saying, this is who I am. And Jesus sits there and listens to the whole thing. Like my friend. I might have been like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Right, good, yeah, 12 years, wow. Okay, well, you're already healed, right? So mm, we don't need to keep talking about this, right? Like, I got you. Yep. And then the doctors, I know, totally. Peter, could you just take the... Peter's going to take your testimony right now. I'm going to go because I'm really, really, really busy. He doesn't do that. He listens to the whole story. Most likely looking right at her. Jesus was present. Even with all the things he had to do, even with this really important person, he is present with this woman who on the social scale is the lowest of the lowest. Listen, have you ever... I don't know about you, but what goes inside of my mind when I'm talking to somebody and I am thinking about all the other things going on in my life, here's what comes through my mind. I don't have time for this. You ever thought that before? Listen, I've thought this with the people I love the most. I don't have time for this. And yet Jesus has time. Jesus was present. Jesus listens to the whole truth. I think in my relationships, I can learn something from Jesus. And so here's just a thing I want us to, you can write it down if you want. You could try to memorize it. There's two P's in it to make it easier. Um, But but as you're in a meeting, uh, as you're talking to somebody, maybe it's someone at work who's struggling with something. Have you ever had that happen? You, You look at your desk and there's papers piled up to here and someone says, can I talk to you for a second? And you're like, no. Yes, what is it? And they start telling you a story, and in your mind, I don't have time for this. This might be something that you can latch on to this week. Being present is better than being productive. Being there with the person, there with the person, understanding where they're coming from, is better than being productive. Sometimes being too late, late to work is a little bit worth 
being with your kid as they're going, getting ready for school and they're scared about something. Sometimes it's better to be, to go home early even when uh, you've got all this stuff to do to maybe leave at a decent time to be present with your family. Being present is better than being productive. And, and so you, th- th- this might be the thing you think of when you, uh, as, you're, as, as you engage in a conversation and you just go, you know what, I'm going to be present now and you close up whatever that is whether it's your iPad or your cell phone or whatever. Maybe you're out to dinner. One of the things that I, if, if I go out to dinner and, and I'm with my wife and there's a game on and a, and a TV behind her, um, that is a difficulty for me. <laughs> so I might get up and go, can we switch? Because I'm going to, even if I don't even know, it might even be soccer, you know, and I'm just, as I, and there I am, and I find myself watching soccer, and it's like, but, but again, knowing these things about ourselves, and being able to go, you know what, I'm not, what am I doing? I want to be present, and so they, they come, uh, Jesus is there, and, and he's talking to her, and here's what he says to her, this is so incredible, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you, he's going to heal the synagogue leader's daughter but he's got a daughter of his own this woman that's very 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 important in his kingdom she has value and so he calls her daughter which probably she hasn't been called in years your faith has healed you and then she says he says go in peace and be freed from your suffering it's like the miracle it's like this is why he wanted to find her to tell her this Like what you did, the whole unclean thing, she made Jesus unclean before he was supposed to lay hands on the synagogue leader's daughter. She ruined that. I don't think we understand that. By doing that, he would have had to then gone to the priest, gone through this thing, all this stuff to become become clean again if he actually followed all that stuff, which he didn't. And so, but, but that was the thing in that culture, that's what she was sacrificing. She made him unclean. He can't go lay hands on that daughter now. I, I wrote this down because I just, I, this is the thing that hit me really hard when I was going through this. Jesus is more concerned about me than my miracle. You know, the thing I want him to fix that I just keep talking about and reviewing in my mind that becomes my identity. He's more concerned about me than he is that thing. And so I just, we said at first service, I want to say this together because I want us to own this. I want you to be able to own this this week that Jesus is more concerned about me than my miracle. So we're going to say it together. Ready? Here we go. Jesus is more concerned about me than my miracle. You believe that? See, if we're honest, we, we really care more about the miracle because we just want the suffering to be over. Jesus is more concerned about, about so, so what happens is he, he talks to her, and, um, and while he's still talking, it says some people come up, and they come up to Jairus, and they say, hey, your daughter's dead, okay? Don't, it says, don't, don't bother the teacher anymore. And you can imagine him, you know? I mean, no fault of his. He, he's kind of important, and he knows he's important, and he knows she's not important. And she had to tell the story in front of everybody, which talked about bleeding, and they, Jarius heard, he touched his cloak, wait, wait a minute, she ruined everything. And now my daughter's dead. And now he's got his thing. And Jesus turns to him and says, hey, don't 
don't be afraid, just believe. Which, you know, like you or I would reply like, well, it's easy for you to say. She's dead. It's over. It's too late. That girl ruined everything because you stopped. So Jesus gets to the gets to the house and he shows up and everyone's wailing and mourning as you can imagine. The girl's only 12 years old. You know, so you can imagine when there's a loss of life at that young age, you know, just how tragic that is and how everybody, you know, and, 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 and because she was dying, there was probably a process that was going on with this family that everybody in the town knew about. And so this was the end. And it's very heart-wrenching. So Jesus shows up and he says, don't, don't worry, she's just sleeping, right? And, and so they laugh at him. Like, you'd ima- you know, you'd imagine. Now maybe, I- I'm surprised they laughed. I'm surprised they didn't get angry and just try start beating on him. Like, how dare you say that? She's, she's dead, obviously. We're not stupid. So he sends them all out, except for Peter, James, and John, and the parents. See, I'm, I've missed that through, as I've read this story before. Had Jesus is present. He knows what they're going through. He feels it. He's there. It's not just about, hey, I got two, you know, I looks at his calendar and he says, I got storm, demon, uh, bleeding woman, uh, raised girl from the dead, and he's just trying to just get through his day. He could have done that. He's like, wow, these, these parents... I'm not going to make him wait for this. I'm not going to make him sit outside and wonder what's going on. He invites him in. You know why? Jesus was present. He understood what was going on. Have you ever been in a, in a waiting room at a hospital? Man, the minutes seem like hours. Even if, you just, if they just say, hey, we're taking your loved one and you know, we're going to do the surgery, they should be out in an hour. You're just like, oh, man. Jesus brings the parents in. I just love it. He goes to the girl. It's interesting. Uh, he just speaks. I, I, don't, I don't know if he did it because he just wanted to keep the dad like, I'm not going to touch her. I, I know I'm unclean. I, I know what went down. I saw what you... I'm not unclean, but we'll deal with that in the New Testament. It's coming later. Uh, we'll, 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 you'll see later. Everything would have been fine. But he just speaks... Again, I don't know why. I would guess that Jesus is like, I, I, that, you'd, you'd feel uncomfortable about that. I get it. He says, little girl, arise, and she does. And then he says this, so cool. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. Well, what did he do that for? Like, like so, so Living Spring, we got this little article in like the, the Orange County Journal this week. Like, that's going on Facebook. I'm going to scan that thing and put it on Facebook. I'm going to be like, look how cool our church is, you know? Like, we go to an awesome church, right? Like, and if we raise somebody from the dead, that would go on Facebook too, okay? It would be like, like I'd use that stuff, you know, for marketing or whatever you will because I'm immature and I, I'm lame. I get that. Like, but Jesus is like, we're not going to use this for my ministry. This is just us. This is just you and I. I. I didn't do this to mark something off my calendar to, 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 to move the ministry along. I did, this, I did this for you. I had you here. This is for us. Don't, don't tell anybody about this. It's just our thing. And then he says, and oh, and by the way, get her something to eat. 
Now, I don't know if you're dead if you get hungry. Like, I don't know how he knew, how he knows that. But again, it's another way Jesus is present. Like, he's thinking, she's probably hungry. You know, she's probably, it's probably been a big ordeal. And she maybe hasn't been able to eat for weeks because she was dying and her body began to shut down. And Jesus thinks, well, she's healed now. She's just going to be hungry. He's present. He's right there. It's just really cool. John uh, 1.14 says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Jesus that did not regard equality with God something to be held onto, but He emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and that He would come down and be right with us. Now listen, now listen. If that's the case, that Jesus would do that, He'd be really, really important Jesus in the, in the, in the all trinitized. And he would come down here. How much more should we be present with one another? How can we possibly say, I don't have time for that? How can we possibly get so busy and so into our own agenda and our own routine and our own um, uh, goals and things that we forget the people around us? I, I think this is what Jesus was trying to show us. And like we've been saying all along these weeks, the more like Jesus we are, the better our relationships are. If our family members, and we have five of them, if all five are like Jesus, our, our family's better. If I'm like Jesus, I'm a better husband. If you're like Jesus, you're a better wife. You're a better teacher. You're a better student. You're a better neighbor. First Corinthians says this, it says it this way. Oops, sorry. It says, uh, uh, do you not know that you, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Like, like when you show up, God shows up. You, you know, it's interesting. The Bible talks about that, you know, those who are followers of Jesus, and if you're not yet, you're off the hook here. So congratulations, you got a good week ahead of you. We don't, but uh, is that, that God's given you special gifts and the gifts are not for you. They're not for me. They're, 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 my gifts are not for me. They're for you. Your gifts are not for you. They're, they're for us. And, and so when I get too busy for you, I'm essentially saying Jesus is too busy for you. That manifestation, and the Bible says that he's given to each one of us a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, an appearing of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm too busy for you, that manifestation of the Holy Spirit is too busy for you. I don't think my relationships look very good. When that happens. One last verse is Adjua comes back up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 14, the one before the one behind us, basically says, don't be kids just tossed here and there. Like, don't go through life like every little thing. You're so all busy and all freaked out and you're following every wind of doctrine. You're trying to, you're, you're just kind of like being, the Bible says, just tossed around. Don't be like that. And this is verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. It goes on in verse 16. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. That's fantastic. From him, the whole body joined together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. Now there's one little section that I've kept off of here. But the idea is this. 
in our particular culture in America, in our particular way that the world operates in our society, to be busy, to be productive, to be, to be on the move, to multitask is valued highly. And it is the opposite of what the Bible wants us to be. The Bible wants us to be present. Not checking off things off the list, but to be present. When you're with somebody, you're with somebody. Like Jesus, when he healed someone. You know what's interesting about Jesus' healings as you look in the Bible? He healed people one person at a time. Like all these stories, you don't have a story where Jesus walked into a city or in a crowd and just said, you're healed. Because the miracle wasn't the thing Jesus was so interested in. It was the person. And so all the stories you read about Jesus healing is just one person at a time, one person at a time. They'd bring the kids and he would bless each kid, you know. So it says this. So just, it grows and builds itself up in love. Listen, as each part does its work. It takes work to be present. Because you've got to take the future and lay it at the feet of Jesus. You've got to take those, all the things you have to do, and they're real things, and they make real emotions. You've got to take those and say, you know what? I'm going to trust God for that. I'm going to trust God for the future so I can be present. I'm going to trust God for those things that I, I, I know they have to get done, but right now, I'm trusting God for the future so that I can be present with this person. Jesus said it this way. He said, look, look at the birds of the air. They're not even concerned with all this kind of stuff that you're concerned with. And he ends all that up. He talks about they don't, they don't clothe themselves. They don't, they don't do even basic stuff. They don't need to worry about that. Their heavenly father knows that and takes care of it. And he says this, you just worry about today. You just worry about now because each day has enough trouble of its own. 